the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called The Living Church of the Living King, looking at the beautiful and glorious picture of Jesus Christ as the living one that gives our call to the church. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 11 this morning. It's the letter to the church in Smyrna. These are the words that Jesus spoke to his servant John to be sent to this particular church, but it's a message not just for the church in Smyrna. It's a message for the churches. It's a message for us today, Orland Park CRC, to listen and to heed. It's unusual for this reason. Oftentimes in these letters, one of the things I mentioned was that the structure is that Jesus would introduce himself He would offer some encouragement to the church, and then he would challenge some current practices that were going on within the church. This is a church that receives no condemnation whatsoever, only encouragement from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's unique. And let's remember as we hear this that this is God's word. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write the words of the first and the last who died and who came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Amen. The Christian faith is never easy. It's not something that's natural for us to stop trusting in our own works and to trust completely in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. And this is playing itself out in American culture, which is growingly secular. Being religiously unaffiliated, as you know, because I've mentioned it a number of times, is the fastest growing religion in the United States. And the crazy part of all of this is that the church in America seems to be in decline in a time and in a society where there is an amazing amount of freedom of religion. We have the freedom to live in accord with what it is that the scriptures say, both as we worship on Sunday morning and as we live in our lives throughout our week. And one of the things that people will sometimes say, one of the things that you'll sometimes hear, is that Christians are beginning to be persecuted in the West or in America because Christianity is no longer the home team here. 
because Christianity has lost its privileged place, because there are fewer people that are going to church. Now, understand, because Christians are called to live holy lives and distinct from the culture that's around us, sometimes this means that there will be opposition from those who are not Christians. Sometimes holiness can be received in a way that's frustrating by those that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's frustrating or disquieting or even disgusting to a culture that has lost a belief in God. One of the ways that that kind of came home to me was I was watching one of my favorite programs, Pardon the Interruption, on ESPN some time ago. I love Wilbon because he's such a Chicago sports homer. I like Kornheiser because uh, it's just a fun show. These are two good-natured guys. I enjoy hearing them banter about different topics in the sports world. And one time, they were dealing with some sort of social or cultural issue that had arisen within a particular team in the National Football League. And to my surprise, Wilbon got angry as he talked about Christians. And he called out with a great deal of ferocity what he termed as the Christian right. He was speaking about Christians with a biblical sexual ethic, and his anger surprised me and and frankly frightened me a little bit. It seems to me that this good-natured and likable man had within him some kind of visceral opposition to some of the truths of Scripture, or at least how Christians have handled those truths of Scripture in the public square. And it frightened me. But some people will take a look at that and say, see, look, that's persecution, And all of us that think that that might be persecution, we need to be corrected by this letter to the church in Smyrna. Because one of the things that the church in Smyrna was facing was real opposition, genuine slander, real persecution. It should be a reminder to us that the church of Jesus Christ arose in a culture that was deeply opposed to it, among a wide variety of religions who had cultural superiority. It's a reminder that the scriptures themselves were written by people inspired by the Holy Spirit who were faithful to the point of death. It's a reminder that we have it so easy and so free from persecution in America. We live in a country where all the presidents will say, God bless America. We live in a place with tax-exempt status for our churches and institutions with a deep freedom of religion with a great deal of wealth in our congregations. We have everything, physically speaking, that one could hope for. And yet... And yet, our temptation is to a gradual fading away, not through outright persecution, but through sometimes very subtle opposition. Our temptation is to forget how rich a treasure we possess in Christ Jesus, to find that we'd rather spend time in a canoe on Sunday mornings than in a pew in the church. Our temptation is to orient our lives around something other than Jesus, to take the gospel for granted. This morning, I hope that as we encounter this letter to a church facing opposition and persecution, we will realize that we are not facing such things. And I hope that it might awaken in us a desire to be faithful in stakes that are far less extreme. And I hope that it might give us the sort of unshakable faith that characterized this poor church. Now, this letter has a few different movements. It starts with an introduction, as all of them do. And after this introduction, there are three main parts of the church. There's some bad news, first, that the church receives. And then there's some worse news that the church receives. And finally, there's some good news that the church receives. Let's take a look at the introduction, and then the bad news, worse news, and good news. The introduction is this. The introduction is found in verse 8, where we're told, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Jesus introduces himself in a way that's intended to encourage this congregation at Smyrna. 
Again, just like happened in the letter to Ephesus and will happen in all of the future letters that we encounter, Jesus begins by introducing himself and by using an example that's given to us in Revelation chapter 1 of who it is that he is. He gives us an example of his appearance. Here he says that he is the first and the last, the one who died and has come back to life. Jesus, you see, always has been and always will be. He is, as one of my daughter's books puts it, the A to Z of life. He's life itself. He has always been, will always be. He can never stop existing. And because he is the first and the last, because he is life itself, death itself could not hold or contain him. And that's the next part of the introduction. I died, and behold, I am alive. Jesus Christ died and was buried, and on the third day he rose again from the dead. Death could not hold him. He is greater and stronger than death because he is life and existence itself. And this introduction is particularly encouraging for this church in Smyrna because they were facing persecution at the hands of the governing authorities, a persecution sometimes to death. And it was essential for them to know that there was a power greater than any of those governing authorities which currently had sway in this particular context at this particular time. It was important for them to know that Jesus Christ was before Smyrna existed and will be after Smyrna stops existing. It was important for them to realize that they who might face death on account of their faith belonged to the one who had defeated it. I died and behold, I am alive, says Christ Jesus reminding those believers in Smyrna that as they were joined to him, if they died, they would be made alive too, just as their Savior had been. So the threat of death had lost its sting. You might put me to death, bring it on. I serve the one who has defeated that terrible enemy. I trust the one who died and was raised to life again. Please note this morning that even if you aren't facing persecution or hardship like the church in Smyrna was, you will, if the Lord Jesus tarries, you will one day face your own death. And death is, or at least it was, a fearsome enemy. And you and I and everyone that trusts and believes in the Lord Jesus Christ can find great comfort knowing that if you're in Christ, you know him, you know Jesus, who died and is now alive. And that that will be true of you if you trust in him. That even though you die, you'll be made alive. And if you're not a Christian this morning, I want to tell you that you need to bend the knee and worship and trust the one who is the first and the last. You need to worship and trust in the one who died and has been made alive. Because you don't have that same hope unless you are in Christ Jesus. And I want you to know that you can have it if you trust in him. I want to invite you to, tr- to trust in him. Feel free to come find me, talk to me after the service, and I can tell you about how it is that Jesus removes the sting of death. And this encouraging introduction here is needed for this church in Smyrna because the church in Smyrna is not experiencing any measure of comfort or privilege. And that takes us to the bad news in the text here that Smyrna is in a difficult place, speaking in earthly terms, of course. So let's take a look at the bad news, all contained in verse 9 of this letter to the church in Smyrna. Let me read verse 9 for us again. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not. 
There are three hardships that the church in Smyrna is facing, all of them contained in verse 9. They're facing tribulation, they're facing poverty, and they're facing slander. Let me take a look at each one of those in order. First, tribulation. The first difficulty that the church in Smyrna is facing is tribulation. That's persecution at the hands of the governing and ruling authorities. It's exceedingly likely that the type of persecution that they were facing came from a refusal to worship the emperor. Now, one of the things that's helpful for us to know is that all throughout the Roman Empire at this time, there was something that was known as empire worship, and it was the most passionate in the city of Smyrna. This was the center of emperor worship. Once a year, the way that this worked is that every person in a town or village or city, that person needed to offer a sacrifice, offer a a burnt offering, offer just a little bit of incense, and after they offered it, they would need to say, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Lord. This was a requirement of every person living in the Roman Empire. Now, this was, for a Christian, an obvious problem. Because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. Jesus is the one who has ultimate authority for us. And so Christians at this time in Smyrna and faithful Christians all throughout the Roman Empire, they would not worship the emperor. They would not offer a sacrifice to the emperor. And they'd be encouraged to do it by by elites in the city or by civic or or ruling authorities. And they'd be told, listen, it's it's not actually worship. It's just part of your civic duty. It's just showing that you're a, a patriot. It just shows that you belong to this community. It's just an expression of, of care for the ruler. You don't have to actually worship him. Just offer the incense. Just say Jesus is Lord. It's a way to, to just honor him. And still Christians would refuse. We have no Lord but Christ Jesus, they would say. We have no final authority except Christ. And Christians would be exiled from cities for refusing. Christians would be put to death for refusing to participate in this civil religion. Pliny the Younger, who was a historian at the time, writes to one of the ruling authorities about this practice. He said that he had a group of people who refused to offer sacrifices for the emperor or to the emperor, and he said, I've just put them to death because of their intolerance. How dare they just not allow uh, some part of emperor worship into, into the life of the church? But Christians wouldn't give in. And it reminds us Christians today of how tempting and easy it is to give our allegiance to something alongside of or in place of the Lord Jesus Christ. You probably won't be tempted in your lifetime to to sacrifice to the president under penalty of death. You probably won't be tempted in your lifetime with any sort of threat like the church in Smyrna was facing, but you will be tempted in a myriad of ways, in a myriad of ways, to place political party affiliation or civic pride or hope in government alongside of or in place of Jesus. Don't mix your worship of Jesus with the worship of any political authority. Jesus is Lord. Or to quote the the words of the great psalm for singing, put no confidence in princes, nor for help on man depend. He shall die to dust returning and his purposes shall end. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, 
That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now more from Pastor Derek in our series called The Living Church of the Living King, looking at the beautiful and glorious picture of Jesus Christ as the living one that gives our call to the church. So Christians in Smyrna faced persecution for their steadfast commitment to Christ, and they were reviled by the governing authorities, but they were praised by the one who died and was yet alive. And all of this indicates that any tribulation or suffering or persecution that the church was facing for the cause of Christ was worth it, because the praise of Christ Jesus is better than the praise of anyone or anything else. It was worth it to endure tribulations for the sake of Christ Jesus. The second trouble that the church in Smyrna was facing was poverty. Verse 9 says, I know your tribulation and your poverty. This church was an impoverished one. They were poor. Now, this may actually have been tied to their refusal to worship the emperor. It was seen as as them not being patriotic or or a part of civil society in as effective or a good good sort of way. And so there there are just historical accounts that in Smyrna, Christians were uh, people who would lose their jobs or they'd be kicked out of various trade unions for refusing to offer a sacrifice to or on behalf of the emperor. And so it may be that because of their commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, they had a hard time finding work and therefore were impoverished. It may also be that that the gospel had resonated with just a wide range of people who were already impoverished, but whatever is the case, this was a poor congregation. This was a church who was unable to engage in capital campaigns or building renovations. Members of the congregation wouldn't be tapped on the shoulder for generous gifts. The church had no standing among the wealthy elite in the city. The church lacked any sign of worldly success. It was a despised, persecuted, and poor group. And yet notice what the Lord Jesus says. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich in the midst of a physical poverty. The church in Smyrna had a wealth of spiritual riches. In the midst of possessing nothing, this church possessed Christ, and that was more than enough. There is incomparable worth in trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. The Lord Jesus is more precious than silver and more costly than gold. Jesus is enough. And even if you have nothing in worldly terms, if you have Jesus, you have more than enough. Spiritual riches in Christ Jesus are everything. And your desire and mine should be to become wealthy in Jesus, to become rich in trusting in his name, to grow more and more in doing good works for the cause of Christ. This is a wealth that vastly transcends anything that the world might offer. And the temptation that you and I face is that day after day we punch the clock or we work our side hustle in the hopes of becoming rich in financial resources and we neglect the most important, the most important thing, the spiritual growth that can be ours in Christ Jesus. And so two challenges that they were facing. One, tribulation and persecution. Two, poverty. And the third thing that they were facing was slander. Verse 9 again, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you're rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Now let me say this at the very beginning. Jesus came to earth as a man, the God-man, a Jewish man. And he, a Jewish man, 
was speaking these words to a Jewish man, John, to be delivered to a congregation made up of both Jews and Gentiles. These are not words that are intended to be anti-Semitic. These are not words that are intended to be hateful or dismissive of those who are Jewish. And yet, throughout the history of the church, these are words that have been used in that manner, and that is unacceptable. The passage is not giving any sort of cover to anti-Semites. What it is saying is that the members of the synagogue in Smyrna were slandering the church the true Israel of God. There was a large Jewish population in Smyrna. And whatever the form of the slander, uh, that is something that was happening. One of the things that some people speculate is that for a while the church was experiencing freedom in the Roman Empire to practice their faith because they were seen as a Jewish religious sect and Judaism was allowed to be practiced in the Roman Empire. But Jews by this time were increasingly saying, no, these Christians are not a part of us. They should not receive the same sort of protection. And so sometimes persecution was coming because the church was no longer seen as a sect of Judaism. It was being seen as its own thing, which was not allowed to to practice its religion freedom in the same way that Judaism was. It may be that there were just all manner of unkind things that were being said in any case This makes it clear that the church in Smyrna was facing opposition from the the Roman leaders and the Jewish leaders while being mired in poverty. They were were facing opposition at the hands of the Roman ruling authorities, the Jewish ruling authorities, and they were facing the difficulty that is tied to having no physical riches. However, none of these things was the real threat to the church in Smyrna. Rather, Satan was. And we're reminded of this by the fact that Jesus here uses the language of the synagogue of Satan and then talks about what it is that the devil is about to do. And this takes us to the worst news. Verse 10 tells us, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you'll have tribulation. Be faithful to death, and I will give you the crown of life. The news was, that was worse was not only was the church opposed by physical realities of other religions, of political leaders, and the lack of physical resources, they were being opposed by the devil. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 tells us this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. The devil was opposing the church in Smyrna because the enemy hates to see the church of Christ in advance, advanced, and he will oppose it. And the devil, seeking to oppose the work of Christ in Smyrna, through the church in Smyrna, was going to increase the opposition and tribulation that the people in Smyrna were facing. They were going to be thrown in prison. Now, we need to understand what it is that this means. Now, in Smyrna, they did not have a prison system like we do in the United States where you might receive a, a life sentence and, and live out your days inside of a prison cell. Prison was not used for that purpose. It was not used for long-term stays for people. Prison was a holding cell for people until they would receive the, uh, the judgment from the ruling authorities. And the judgment was very often a capital punishment if somebody had offended what had taken place especially if it was refusing to worship the emperor. You were thrown in prison until you had your hearing, until you heard, well, you won't worship the emperor, you will be put to death. And so the fact that they're going to be thrown in prison is something that would indicate to the Smyrna, the, this church in Smyrna that they were going to die. They were going to die. They were going to die. It was a church that was going to have several of its members die. And this is the challenge for the church in Smyrna. Opposition from the governmental authorities, opposition from other religious authorities, 
no resources, opposed by the devil, and likely that many of them would die. This is the state of the church in Smyrna. And into all of this, Christ Jesus speaks the good news. Verse 10 says something astounding. Verse 10 says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. I don't know about you, but that is astounding to me. Don't fear what you're about to suffer. Don't fear the government's oppressing you. Religious leaders are slandering you. You have no physical resources. The devil is opposing you. You will have to die, very likely, for the sake of your faith. I don't expect those words to be, don't be afraid. That's just not what I would expect in that sort of place. And, and this kind of speaks to a lie that might be quite genuinely American. There's a form of, of teaching. It's, it's a warped form of teaching that exists. It's, it's kind of spreading all throughout the world, but it has, it has its, its birthplace here in the United States of America because it's really kind of an intrinsically American message. What some teachers will say to you is, hey, if you come to Jesus, everything's going to be nice. Everything's going to be easy. If you come to Jesus, all you have to do is, they'll say, you have to sow a seed. And what some teachers will say is, if you just give me a little bit of money, Jesus will give you back way more money. And if you just trust in Jesus, if you trust hard enough, you'll have the easy life that you always wanted. You'll have all of the wealth that you could possibly imagine. You'll have the home of your dreams. You'll have the car you've always wanted. And all of it will come to you if you just trust Jesus enough. Let me tell you, that was not the message to the church in Smyrna. The message was, you have been faithful in your trust of me, and yet you are opposed by the world, you're opposed by the devil, and you will probably die. Not always is the message that comes from Jesus, come to me and everything will be easy. No, Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus says, if you want to come to me, come and die. Die to yourself. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.